If this is your first episode of The Upside, welcome. If you've been here before, welcome back. Today is Monday, September 25th. My name is Jeff Dollar, and today I am grateful for weekends that have a variety of activities. Some work, some play, some family, some relaxing. My name is Callie Dollar, and I am grateful that we, generally speaking, feel safe in our neighborhood. Generally speaking. Generally speaking. There's an an asterisk with that. We'll explain in just a moment. There is. We had... uh, Oh, and if you're someone that uh, honors Yom Kippur, um, we hope you have a meaningful and reflective day. It is a day of reflection. So I hope you find meaning. I had a friend, Callie said, what's the proper... Because you don't say happy. You don't say happy Yom Kippur. And a friend of mine said... um, a Jewish friend of mine said pretty much with any Jewish holiday uh, outside of Hanukkah, mm-hmm. you just tell people to have a good fast because Jewish people love a good fast on a holiday. <laughs> so I think Yom Kippur is another no food, sun up to yes. sundown holiday. So have a good fast. Have Lots. an easy, he said, have say, have an easy fast. Have an easy fast and a meaningful day today. I, uh, I, I, I liked our weekend because it was there was it was it was filled with activity but none of the activity was with the exception of an event that we had with the exception of the bookends of the weekend mm-hmm. the first event and the last event they were kind of mandatory but everything else was just casual you know mm-hmm. and kind of just fell into place and it turned out to be a great weekend yeah it was a really good weekend we had what did we do friday friday we made pizza Okay, and, Friday we made pizza, which you is- You said it was the best pizza I had ever made. <laughs> of course you would remember that. Yeah, Friday we chose to stay in because and be low-key because we had a working weekend and we also had like a jam-packed weekend, so I knew it wouldn't feel like a casual, relaxy weekend. And last weekend was chaos, or last week rather was chaotic, busy. And- we, we launched a show, we had a bunch of stuff for their studio, and then- um, Next week, next this coming week is going to be really hectic, and then next weekend is going to be a mega working weekend as well. Yeah. So by because this week we are finished putting the finishing touches on our studio. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then um, next weekend we have podcasters. Um, our seventeenth podcast that we're launching is coming in town to start recording and developing their show with us. So it's, we're going to be working most of the weekend next weekend. Um, so maybe we should take the Monday after off. I don't know. Do you think? Maybe we're we're cramming a lot into a couple of days. Um, so Saturday was really pretty. We I went and met our amazing handyman and designer for the studio, so they could get two different stuff people, installed. two different people, so they could get stuff installed. And I really don't know what I thought I would be doing there, but they had it handled, and I was almost like in the way because they're talking about creative ways to do things, you know, like. The designer sees a certain vision that she wants executed, but the handyman, and he's awesome. His name's Gaston. We love him. And he's like, okay, so here's why this might be challenging or here what I would do different. And I'm just sitting there, like totally, they're doing all of the work and I offered to help. But, but when, when you're sitting there like that, you always feel like you need to chime in, at least I do, where you have to you almost validate your reason for being there. Right. And of course, because you're the one writing the check, they're going to be polite back to you. Right. But you're useless. I'm totally useless. And they have like their own thing and they can talk through stuff. And they, so I was there for like an hour just kind of watching. 
And then I was like, okay, I'll leave you guys to it. And no shocker, they got more done when right. I was not around. Um, but I, so I left them to it. I was just really excited and like giddy to be there because we have been waiting for this day for a really long time. And um, wallpaper was going up, drapes were going up. It was a big time for that. And then we left because we went to attend an Alzheimer's Association kickoff event for the walk that we've been telling you about for the past like week or two. Yeah, the Alzheimer's Association has their annual uh, walk happening on November 4th. Now, two years ago, this happened right after Atlanta clinched, won the World Series. So they almost had to cancel the walk. They were able to to pull it off and, and get it done using some of the tents and stuff that were up for the new for the World Series celebration the night before. Like we're the, just gonna scooch on in here. Yeah, they just said <laughs> they they said, well, we don't have time to take down and set up. And they said, well, what's set up? Like, we'll take it. We, we got some tents. So we'll make it work. Um, how great would it be if that happened again this year, which it could be yeah. possible, right? But the the uh, walk to end Alzheimer's ha- happens on November fourth at Truist Park, and they had it. If a- you're in Atlanta, and if you're not, they have them all over the country because this is like their nationwide event, right? And they had an event. I we and, and a bunch of people spoke at the event, and I it occurred to me listening to to these people who are so passionate about getting rid of well, right now advocating for patients and family members who are dealing with Alzheimer's, Mm -hmm. but also fighting to end the disease, Mm -hmm. how, and it's entirely possible, but how amazing will it be that if Ellie's generation didn't have to deal with Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's, all those diseases of aging, right, that, Mm -hmm. that, uh, that just creates such a such a difficult end of life mm-hmm. for the patient, but also you know the the people who are close to them. How wonderful would it be if we could, sometime in the next ten or twenty years, eliminate that? And it's nothing that Ellie would have to ever have to think about. And I didn't realize, like I learned. Anytime we go to an event, there's and there's you know speaking like you learn a lot about the disease or what people are actually doing on the ground because I think especially with like nationwide organizations like Alzheimer's Association, you are like okay, well we're giving money, but what is it going to? Like what are they actually like? What are the action items that are being taken care of? And one thing that I thought was super cool is that they um, there was a woman there that does their advocacy work or is it advocacy or lobbying? She's a lawyer and she goes down to the Capitol to talk to our leadership. And she plays the game where, uh, you know, she says, look, I I need 10 people to get on board with this bill or this grant or this funding, Mm -hmm. this whatever. Can I count on you to be one of the 10 if you can, you know, and then whatever favors get exchanged. I'll let you come speak to our board meeting that 300 people attend. It's held in your district. Right. Or I'll talk to, I'll introduce you to this guy who might want to do that or whatever fascinated by that world. It's amazing. And it takes a special kind of person to do that because you have to be so super smart, but you also have to know what you're talking about, like within what you're um, what you're lobbying for. And also, I don't want to call her a lobbyist because she's not a lobbyist. She's, um, but you also have to have and form the relationships with the people, like the leadership in your state. And one thing I thought was cool that I didn't know is that there's a vaccine, is it a vaccine 
or um, there's something that scientists so, have been working of, on. Some sort of treatment. A treatment that slows down Alzheimer's when it's caught early. And the work that she said that she was doing was to get Medicare to cover that the expense of that treatment. And they got it covered, which is amazing. And that's the kind of cool stuff on the ground that I think most people, me included, don't get to see is they're actually making change. And if you have a loved one with Alzheimer's and they have, you know, they're enrolled with Medicare, you can get that covered now, that treatment if they catch it early enough. And that's huge. 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 Anyways, I just thought that was neat. I thought that was really cool. We went back to the studio and uh, saw the finished work. After we did that, we go back to the studio, saw the finished work, and it's beautiful. It's so outstanding. And uh, again, Callie and I had to have a conversation between designer and engineer, right? Mm -hmm. Design the design. Me, me, designer being me. The designer being Callie and the engineer being. being me. And I had to tread so carefully because what I wanted to say, and I think I conveyed this properly, is it looks so good right now. And it will look so good when you get that piece of artwork that you've ordered Mm -hmm. that I guess is stuck in customs somewhere. Mm -hmm. When that comes in, it's going to look so good I don't think you need anything else. Well, and this is a... And you're a fan of the knickknack. I am not a fan of the knickknack. Jeff, to Jeff, knickknacks are clutter, like decor, whatever. If it doesn't serve a function, it doesn't need to be there. And that's with our house too. Like when we've done like designs for our house or whatever, he's like, what is, what are those beads? Why is there a basket? Why are there beads in it? And have I ever read that book? Why is that on my coffee table? Like, I don't read that book. We're not going to open that book. So that's where Jeff comes from. And we've had some like pretty intense, I wouldn't call them fights, but close to fights and discussions about this space because it does need to be functional for people, which is what Jeff knows about. And I'm the one working on the design with the designer and stuff like that, but we had to. So I would say that we compromised really well, um, even though it was not the easy easiest. And I'm really proud of how it's going to be. And this week is going to be great because now we get to um, all week kind of experiment with it and see what actually works and doesn't work and what we could do better. Um, You're laughing at me like- Well, because we didn't really compromise. On what? There there hasn't been a lot of compromise, but- There has. Okay. The console- it moved to a different wall. We changed, we changed like the walls around to be more functional. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. No. And we also changed like from the original design, we changed to a second one. Like there, come on, give me that. Cause we have worked through I, a lot of stuff and you're proud of it. You're proud of it. So that's, I'm we're so, both happy with it. So that's, we got to the point where we're both happy with it. And I think that is. My right. And what I was trying to say now is I don't think it needs anything else. I think it is at a point of looking so good that more stuff becomes a distraction. Mm-hmm. I think it looks that good right now. Yeah. Thank and you. I want to know when we can open it to the public, when we can have a little happy hour, when we can do, I want to do, I, I wonder if we could do a learn how to podcast thing where mm-hmm. people pay a hundred bucks we do only five people max and they come hang out in the studio. Yeah. And we talk through it and we talk through individual ideas. We show people how the equipment works. Yeah. If their schedule allows, they can record their first episode. I want to do all of those things 
when? When can it happen? I'm so well, excited. Well, I, I mean, we're opening in October. I would think that the time for us- Guys, like, October is the end of this week. Right. Um, but we also are launching another podcast in October. So I would say the good thing and the bad thing is that the podcast, a lot of industries kind of shut down for the holidays, like November and, and December are kind of like nothing months. Yeah. Um, so that might be a good time. Oh, like to, towards the end of the yeah. year. Cause we'll have more time. Um, cause our shows are going to be all launched. There'll be, you know, people will be taking vacations and all that kind of stuff. So that might be a good, I wonder if we should do an event between Christmas and new year's. Mm-hmm. at the space that people can give as a Christmas gift. If you have somebody in your life who wants to podcast, yeah, come up with a package, you know, mm-hmm. charge a few hundred bucks for it. You get some coaching, some, some questions answered, some launch strategy, and then you get an hour or two in the studio to play around and see actually how it comes out. Mm-hmm. I have so many. Now that it's done, I have a gazillion and 50 ideas. I love that. I'm so excited. Um, okay. So that was Saturday. It was, it was a great day. Sunday was, it wasn't a bad day at all, but it was the day of chaos. Like a lot happened within a span of like 30 minutes on Sunday morning. There, there was, there was just a, a, a window of what weird movie set have we just stepped into? Okay, so here is what happened. I, Jeff had a call, a conference call, and I was going to take Ellie out of the house just because, you know, when we're working at home, like she wants to see us and, you know, she, you know, wants to hang with Jeff and stuff like that. So I was like, let's go to Target. We got to pick out, um, you know, birthday cards and stuff like that. So I take Ellie outside and I'm, I open my car door to put my like water bottle in the cup holder. And I notice that my um, glove compartment has been emptied out. And so has my center console. And for a second, I was like, did Jeff, was he like looking for our insurance card or something like that? But also thinking in the back of my head, Jeff isn't someone to take stuff out and just not put it back. Like you wouldn't ever rummage through my car and leave stuff out. You would put it back where you found it. And um, so I came back inside with Ellie and I'm like, Jeff, He's like, yes. And I was like, did you go through my glove compartment or my console? And I was like- I could definitely hear your panic voice. No, you didn't. Oh yeah, you have, you a thousand percent have a panic voice. Mm-hmm. And I heard it in your, in, your, in your voice. So did I scare you? No, I just knew that as soon as you said the first sentence, even if I said what and asked you to repeat yourself, as soon as you said that, I knew- that somebody had broken into. So I car. said, I think someone broke into my car, which is funny, weird, because one, I usually always park in our garage. And number two, I tell Jeff all the time, we got to lock our cars. We got to lock our cars. We got to lock our, that was something that like my mom drilled into my head. So I never leave my car door unlocked. And I apparently did because they had gone through my stuff. There were no like windows broken. They went through Jeff's. And now, now I- am of the opposite philosophy. I always leave my car doors unlocked because I don't want the smashed windows. Mm-hmm. And generally speaking, the most you're going to get out of my car is whatever coins are in the cup holder um, or maybe a surprise box if I have a couple of Amazon returns in the backseat. <laughs> right. You know, mm-hmm. so, but other than that, I really try hard to keep 
anything of value out of my car. And mine is, you know, Ellie snacks I have because one of my pregnancy cravings right now is hot sauce. So I have hot sauce, some masks, some hand sanitizer. And, you know, I actually looked, I had a, a Zephora gift card. They didn't take that. Um, but I, so Jeff is, we were like, well, should we call the police? Should we not? Ellie's outside with us. Jeff and I are looking at our cars. We're trying to decide what to do. There's a woman walking by us or one of our neighbors that has two little, little tiny dogs. And she walks them all the time. We know who she is. And she was walking towards us. And then all of a sudden this quite large, like I would say probably 90 pound dog uh, comes running out into the street and it's a bigger dog and it's got a big bark and friendly or not, it's not on a leash. I've never seen the dog and it's running towards the little dogs. And I was like, um, not to worry you, yeah. but there's a bigger dog running this way. That's not with a person. So, and she was like, oh my God. So I think she like ran around the corner. Um, cause her dogs are so little. I'm on the phone with 911 while this is going on. Uh, one of, we're both trying to, you know, cause obviously if this dog that we don't know decides to attack, like our kids Ellie, there, yeah. Ellie, Ellie's dog fighting height. So we're trying to corral her behind us, but you know, all she sees is doggy. So she wants to go down there and yeah. say, hang out with the dog. So like 911 operator, I said, I'm even saying, I said, there's like, what's your emergency? And I'm like, well, it's not really an emergency. We just don't know if you guys want a record of this or if we tell anyone. Because nothing was taken, so there won't be an insurance claim. There's no reason to file a police report. We're not thinking that the cops are going to find somebody and prosecute them. And But if it's a situation where, you know, there's a group of people breaking into cars every other night in Sandy Springs and they choose a different neighborhood, mm-hmm. and, this was, and this was our neighborhood and, and, and our filing of a report could help them decipher their pattern. Yeah. I don't know. Well, and I- It was the weirdest 911 call I've ever made. Because we're like, it's not really an emergency. You're not emergency lines closed. We don't really know. Do you want to know this? Like, I don't know. And, and after thinking about it, I'm actually, I'm very glad that we had someone come out only because I feel like if your community doesn't know, like, because they keep records, right? They go into a crime report. They get, you know, yeah. like the city reports it. The, you know, chief of police sees it. The mayor sees crime reports Uh every year. So they know what the crimes are. Um, And I think that's important for them to know. So while it doesn't make a difference to me if we file a police report, it might because if if car break-ins are happening a lot, maybe they hire more officers. And I don't know. And maybe not. Maybe they're just like, oh, it happens. You know, it was a trend. Now it's going away. Whatever. So I felt like we were contributing members of society by saying, hey, just to let you know. And it wasn't just our car. There were other cars. Yeah, it was every car on the street. Um, that was unlocked. It was unlocked. And the guy, the police officer who came out, who was so great. And by the way, here's uh, a couple of the tips that he shared. He, he understood why I had the philosophy of don't lock the car, right? To save the windows, leave the car unlocked. He said, that's... Um, Two, two flaws with that. The people who break windows to get into cars, generally speaking, that's just their method of getting in. They don't try the door. They're going and, for speed. And if it doesn't work, then they break the window. Generally, what they do is they just go 
down one side of a row of cars or down, you know, a, a side of a street and they bust in five cars windows. Mm-hmm. Then they go hide for five or 10 minutes mm-hmm. to, to wait for all the alarms to die off and to make sure because who pays attention to a car alarm? Like right? no one. And then when it all quiets down, then they just jump in the car, rummage through it and jump out through the window. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not even checking to see. So he said, if you, if you've got a window smasher, He's not going to check your door first. Yeah. Um, he said, number one, and he said, number two, uh, some communities have reported that victims of car, a car break-in like this where it's unlocked, um, somebody comes back a day or two later and actually steals the car because they know right. it's unlocked. He did low-key insult us by saying that neither of our cars is it's probably not something he, we need to worry about. So that was kind of humbling. <laughs> Don't worry. They don't they don't want your 15-year-old path. No. I know. What? That's not a hot car. That's not a hot getaway car. It's got 145,000 miles on it, but it runs like it's got 90,000. Get, get that oil get that oil changed religiously. <laughs> so that was what it was. I don't know. I do feel grateful though that I don't it didn't scare me. And I think that's a sign of us feeling generally safe in our neighborhood. Yeah. And they could have broken our things. They could have broken into our house. They could, you know what I mean? Like, this is not a person that, you know, I would think is being, you know, necessarily violent. And one of my friends that works in law enforcement was like, yeah, people usually like, if they don't take, you know, Jeff had like a watch in his car. If they don't take your, you know, change or whatever, they don't take your gift card or your, um, watch they're probably looking for guns um it's just funny because i was like i feel like they need to go back to criminal school because if you see a car seat there's not going to be a loaded unlocked gun in the car probably like that would not be Mm -hmm. my i think i don't think that's a safe assumption i wouldn't whatever i'm no really you think anybody on our street has like a gun in their car that's not locked away or um, I don't know about our street, but I think, you know, people go through the Atlanta airport all the time with guns in their luggage. I think people forget things. I think people are irresponsible. I think people put themselves above the law to, you know, I don't even know what the law is now in the in, in Georgia, if you even have to have, you know, some sort of special permit or whatever to carry a weapon in your car. But I'm sure there's people who do even if they're not allowed to. So mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I just wouldn't have picked like the row of houses with car seats that probably have like goldfish crackers, like, you know, bumps yeah. in the seat, like wouldn't have been, but whatever, they didn't get anything. Life moves on. I did because I am Cali dollar. I did turn our outside floodlights on. Yeah. Um, last night. So I did that and I put my car in the garage. Did you lock your, of course, you locked your car. I will say just in an, in a, comic twist of fate our ring doorbell our security camera batteries the last notification i got was on friday and i didn't even notice that the notifications had stopped coming in that's how in that's how recently they died yeah the batteries died and our neighbor across the street actually came over to apologize because two weeks ago something happened to his ring doorbell and his front door looks right at our driveway and something happened to his ring doorbell. So he was no longer 
recording, doing motion recordings, <laughs> and he felt so bad. I said, no, don't worry about it. And I saw him out there for the next two hours. Screwing it, unscrewing it, ringing the doorbell, going back inside, looking at his phone, going. So I think he got it working. But uh, nobody on the street got video of it. No, which so. is remarkable because every single person has cameras. So anyways, yeah. and our dogs, by the way, totally fired. Um, our guard dog slept through the whole thing. So lazy, <laughs> lazy bumps. The, um, yeah. And just so you know, if you're listening to this and you happen to know what street we live in, I've replaced the batteries in all of the cameras. So, and we've talked to the dogs. So beware next time they will be on attack. Something has come up uh, twice now in the past month, maybe even three times. And I have to, I have to give you a warning because okay. I don't think you have ever properly pulled a back muscle. I have not. Okay. I don't think. There, years ago, this was my very first, It's it's happened to me two, maybe three times in my entire life. But the first time it happened to me, I was in the shower and I was just doing what you do in the shower, right? And I reached up to adjust the shower head and I just, I don't know if that's how I pulled them up. I don't know what it was, but the pain was so sudden and intense it literally, not figuratively, not exaggerating, it knocked me to my knees. It hurt so bad. I couldn't even take in a full breath of air. Mm -hmm. It was the craziest. It was unbelievable. I crawled from the bathroom oh to, um, to the top of the stairs and had to yell downstairs to wake up my ex-wife at the time mm -hmm. and ask her to please bring me my phone because I couldn't go down the stairs. And I had to call in sick to work, completely healthy, totally fine. Mm -hmm. With the exception of every now and again, I would move in a way that would literally knock me down. Right. And I go to the doctor and the doctor gave me, he said, it's a pulled muscle. It's whatever. It's going to, it'll take five to nine days or whatever. Here's some pain pills. I took the pain pills for one day and they made me feel sick. Yeah. I didn't So I just powered through it with, you know, a leave or whatever. But uh, it's happening again. And because you have never experienced it, I just want you to know that if I cry out and fall down, I'm not having a heart attack. Do you think you should see like a chiropractor or something? Um, No, I just, from what I understand, I think I did this playing with Ellie, mm -hmm. but it's the, it's just the muscle that's like kind of, I don't know. I think it textured, I don't know what muscle it is, but it's kind of in the middle of your back. Okay. So it doesn't have anything to do with bending over. It doesn't have anything to do with reaching up. Mm -hmm. It's just a weird little side muscle. That if you turn just the right way, turn it's like just the right lightning way. bolt. Yeah, and so it happened when I was lying on the bed with Ellie last night, and I just went to get off the bed, and I had to take a deep breath, but it sounds like, <clears throat> because you can't even take it in, and Ellie goes, what's wrong, Dada? I go, I'm okay. And she's like, okay, carry me in my room, and I toughed it up and 
I don't feel like toughing it up is really a it good is. idea. I think you should probably like. But I just want you to know, uh, the reason I say this is the third time is because I actually think that I pulled my muscle, the same muscle on the other side mm-hmm. two weeks ago and it was gone in three days. Yeah. So if if I'm counting that one, this has now happened. Thrice. Thrice. <laughs> I think, honestly, I just think Ellie's getting bigger and I have to figure out back exercises. Yeah. You got to do that. Get like a physical therapist or something because I'm going to be out of picking up Ellie commission for a little bit. Oh, so you need to figure right. out a system. Like my belly is getting almost too big to like be able to comfortably carry her. All right. Here are your three random things for today. If you are a person who says, I love you to your pet every day, you're not crazy. No. 63% of pet owners told the uh, American Animal Hospital Association via a survey through the veterinarians, their veterinarians, member of veterinarians, 63% say, I love you at least once a day to their animals. Uh, 78% have a special voice for them. And 83% of people refer to them as the pet mom and pet dad. No. As their pet mom and pet dad. Do you tell Lily and Sadie you love them every day? No. I don't feel like you ever say that to them. I tell Sadie. Sometimes I say, I love you, friend. But uh, I just don't talk to him enough. Yeah. I feel like yeah. you should. Lily and I have chats, but only because she's she's like literally in my face all day. <laughs> Callie, Callie, see, there, there was. You hear it? You're back. Yeah. Um, Callie came around the corner yesterday or Sunday and saw, or on Saturday, and saw Ellie had both of the dogs sitting in front of her and was explaining to them why it was rude to bark at the neighbor dogs. Maybe Ellie's little pep talk is the reason that they didn't bark at our car breaking burglar. <laughs> she gave him the pep talk. She gave him the pep talk once. Early. Jeff and I are totally. Uh, also ineffective, but Ellie nailed it. Yeah. Um, okay. Your second random thing for today is there is a list of the best U.S. cities to be a ghost. And what makes a good city for you for ghosts to habitate? And I guess ghosts habitate. Um, it is a, it factors, they, they factored in things like the number of cemeteries, the graves to person ratio. Oh, that's good. That's a good ratio that you need to know. And reported ghost sightings and the number of actual haunted houses. Like not haunted houses during Halloween, but, you know, oh, we saw a ghost at this house and there's a story and all So Savannah is going to be, Savannah and Charleston are going to be close to the top, right? Okay. So the, the top three, the top five, ready? Number one, Springfield, Massachusetts. That makes no, that's no not surprising to me. Up in okay. Massachusetts, I feel like that is just like a playground for ghosts. Uh, number two, Scranton, Pennsylvania. Scranton, okay. Number three, Birmingham, Alabama. Really? Shocking. Number four, Syracuse, New York. Your really? hometown. Yeah, okay, so they have 1.5 graves per person in Syracuse. Um it says search interest for ghosts, 62. Percentage of houses built pre-1940, 20%. So, yeah, they scored a 55 on, like, the huh. ranking. So, Syracuse, New York. Um, and that's actually a really good thing, like, houses built pre-1940. Like, know, that's a 
That's pretty good. You know what's crazy is we talk about ghosts and we think, oh, Boston, you know, like a revolutionary war, you know, ghosts from there. Salem Witch Trials. Whatever. Or, oh, uh, Syracuse, a lot of houses before 1940. In in Europe, people are talking about ghosts that were clinking glasses with Jesus. I know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's a ghost who comes around here every now and again. She's from uh, 300 B.C. And to me, that really takes the fear level up. Right. Like ghosts pre or 1800 and before ghosts are way scarier, in my opinion. And I remember going through when the when I was a kid, we were in London and we did the Tower of London tour. Yeah. And there's so many horrible things that have happened there over so many hundreds of years that I was just like, oh my gosh, older ghosts are terrifying. Yeah. So anyways, uh, the rest of them, Pittsburgh, Dayton, Ohio. Knoxville, Tennessee, Akron, Ohio, New Orleans, which makes sense, and Greenville, South Carolina. And your third random thing is, if you are a perfectionist, know that that might be making you ill. Um, Some mental health uh, experts warn that perfectionism can can lead to serious psychological problems, including, obviously, anxiety, but also depression and... um, extreme depression if you are a perfectionist you're probably lonely which means uh because you maintain such exceedingly high standards for friends uh which puts you even in more danger of having mental struggles because you'll be dealing with the anxiety and the depression and then also the loneliness so if you are a person who thinks that being a perfectionist is uh actually draining you of life Mm -hmm. then it might be worth talking to a therapist about And those are your three random things. You are strong, you are brave, you are kind, and you always belong here.